So it looks like we're going to talk about uh, obedience. Nothing wrong with that, right? I, we're doing some topical teaching uh, for, a, for a while. Uh, some of the, I mean, there's so many topics, hundreds, you know, and I, I just chose, a, you know, a dozen or so that I feel are, are very important and applicable and relevant to us. And if you think about, if you think about obeying an earthly king, um, people that do so, they, 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 they do it out of, out of duty and honor, and it's based upon the king's position and his authority. So he has, the king has a, the position of kingship, and then he has a great amount of authority, and so they obey him out of duty and honor. And if they show any kind of disrespect, they, they run the risk of being killed. Um, but if they, if they demonstrate their loyalty, their faithful subjects, that's where faith, they're faithfully obedient, they're subjects, well, then they can hopefully live a, a life of, 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 of peace. But when we think of obeying the king of all kings, when we think of obeying that king, the creator of the universe, we also, by the way, we give him honor because of his position, because of his authority. But... We also know that throughout the Scripture, God has always desired obedience to flow out of a loving relationship. I mean, what father wouldn't? And this is one of the reasons that God created us with free will. But at the same time, if we refuse to obey, um, like what happened at, with Adam and Eve, I mean, that refusal of, of obedience, then we suffer the consequence of, of disobedience that... We're separated, just like they were separated from their creator. So we become separated due to disobedience. So when we look at this biblical concept of obedience, we should consider that there's a dynamic uh, of honoring and obeying the Lord out of awe and also honoring because of our gratitude due to his amazing grace and then our ever-increasing love just simply because of who he is. So there's that threefold dynamic in obedience, awe and gratitude and love. You know, we, we, we honor, we obey him because we're just filled with awe of who he is. We do it also because we're filled with thanks, thankfulness of the life that he's given and, of, and, and everything he's done with his son Jesus. And we do it because we, he's filled us with love for him, you know, an ever-increasing love. And one of the many promises we find when we obey our king is that he's going to bless us. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And so the promise here is that obedience leads to prosperity and success. And I don't think it's the kind, it's not a cause and effect situation or principle as some teach where God is somehow indebted to uh, follow through on his end after we perform ours. You know, this get in order give in order to get type of thing. But rather it's 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 merely the, the success and prosperity of being faithful followers of God as we live and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so how the Lord reveal how the Lord rewards us is up, up to him. 
But whatever prosperity and success may look like, it, it always comes by way of our faithfulness to the Lord. If you look, for example, at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was not prosperous or successful according to the principles or standards of the world. Or even some Christians today. But indeed, he was prosperous and successful according to the standards of the kingdom. He even said that though he was poor, he made many rich. Though he was, had nothing, he had everything. So Paul's uh, measure of success, his measure of, of prosperity, was the fact that he was storing up treasures in heaven for himself, which were far better than any kind of earthly prosperity or or success. And then, of course, you see how God, not just, we're not talking about just that, we're talking about the fruit of his ministry and his life. He was highly prosperous and highly successful, nevertheless impoverished at times. He said he was without clothes at times. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was left for dead. All of those things. Yet he was prosperous and successful. Now, keep in mind in Joshua 1, where it says, the book of the law, you know, keep the book of the law, obey the book of the law. We now know, well, I mean, they knew in the, the, in the Old Testament prophets were the ones, first ones to talk about it, that, that, that the law now is written on our hearts, the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, which means that true, true obedience is measured how we obey both the written word of God and the living word of God who speaks to us through his indwelling spirit. In Jeremiah 7, the Lord says, to obey me, God says. So that's a, that's a great indicator that obedience is not a, a formula such as doing all the right things, but it's relationship. Obey me. You know, you got to say, follow these rules. You obey me. Follow me. Listen to my voice. Hear me and follow me. And so we, we draw closer and closer to this one who calls us into intimacy. And from that intimacy, we obey him is what he's saying. Matthew 7, Jesus tells a, a parable that uh, if you went to Sunday school, you sang the song and played the little game and stuff. Uh, the wise man and the uh, built his house upon the rock, right? Okay. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down. The stream, can you hear the song? The rains came down. Okay. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and the heat and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so there's, there's, there's a few things that are, that are exactly the same. Both the wise and the foolish man they both heard the words of Jesus, right? They were both building a house, and they both experienced the storms of life. What distinguished them, however, was obedience to what they heard. That's the only difference. So Jesus is saying it's not enough to hear. They heard, they built, they experienced the stuff of life, but they didn't obey. That's the difference. So we, we can hear the word of God and yet live in foolishness and, and, not, and become victims to the things that come against us. The only thing that, uh, upon which we want to be securely founded is upon the rock, obedient to he who is the rock. And so the apostle James says also, it's not enough just to hear that, you know, we know the scripture. It's not enough to hear, be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, and then we will be blessed by the Lord. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, which 
for some reason, always been my favorite Old Testament book. Um, there's many blessings that are pronounced here. And just a summary of a, a few of them. Blessings from obedience. Deuteronomy 5.29. Our obedience leads to life that goes well for both us and our children forever. I like that one. That's a great promise. Deuteronomy 7.12-13. In summary, our obedience causes the Lord's favor to be upon us. I like favor. You know, favor is where God likes you. It is. God likes you. He likes to be around you. It's favor. And along with blessings increased, uh, increases in our life, Deuteronomy 28, our blessing, this is in the whole chapter, our blessing releases, our obedience releases blessing, victory over the enemy, identity as God's holy people, the opening up the, of the heavens upon us, and the promise that we will be the head and not the tail. And all those promises are given to the obedient, those who have committed their lives to serving the Lord. And when the, these promises are experienced uh, and, and, and brought into our lives and realized, it gives us a new joy that would not exist outside of obedience, you see. It's a joy that we wouldn't have unless we obeyed, if you follow what I'm saying. It wouldn't be available without, outside of obedience. In other words, obedience is not, have, is not an issue of having to do something. You know, it's, it's, it's obedience to God is actually one of the primary roads that leads us into fullness of joy. Actually, His joy is what He teaches. So the, obedience is the road that leads to that. Jesus takes obedience to a new level when He tells us this. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed in my Father's commands and remain in His love. He also said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. So now we find obedience leads him to love, not just joy, but love as well. And think about these promises. Jesus obeyed the Father. We know that. We know he obeyed perfectly, and that it was through perfect obedience that Jesus remained in the Father's perfect love. And yet... The incredible thing is that he says, we too, we who are not perfect, nevertheless are called to live our lives in obedience to him. And then when we do, we will remain in his love, in the very, this Trinitarian presence of God. And not only that, but both the Father and the Son and the Spirit will come and make their home in the obedient. Well, how does Jesus say to obey him? He says to love one another as he has loved us. Piece of cake. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Jesus loved us. I mean, he only loved us to the death. Jesus willingly gave up his life so that we might live, and all we have to do is, is the same thing. <laughs> all we have to do, all we have to do, here, here it is, all we have to do is set aside our self-centeredness in order to focus on the well-being and success of others. That's it. All we have to do is no longer think what's in it for me, but how can I serve others? That's why it's so easy, right? <laughs> we can't do this on our own, by the way. We have a sinful nature that we're competing with. I don't do the things I know I should. I do the things I know I shouldn't type of thing. 
So there is some struggle. There's, we're competing against what is typically self-infatuation, self-motivation, self-absorption, self-centeredness, all the, all the self stuff, you know. That's why Paul talks about dying to self. And so the only way to fulfill the call of obedience is, to, is, is through the abiding presence of Jesus in our lives, where he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want to take a look at that brief passage in John 15. I've already mentioned it, but it's in verses 10 to 11. If you obey my commands, if you remain in my love, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is the Father's command, by the way? Love Him and love others. Jesus said, I bring a new command, by the way. Love one another. So that's really, it's all about love here. And also there's this obvious connection between obedience and joy because Jesus is telling us about obedience in order that His joy would be in us, because that's what He says, and due to His joy within us, our joy is going to be complete or mature. In other words, that tells me that without His love in us, our joy will never arrive to completion or fulfillment or maturity. You know what I mean? It's His love within us. And, and so we're not going to ever be able to experience true joy within ourselves until the joy of Jesus takes root in our lives and grows. Why is this so? Why does obedience produce joy? I think it's because we are living our lives in obedience to the one who created us. Our creator is the only one who knows what fulfills us. He's the only one who knows what satisfies. He's the only one that knows us actually what brings us joy. We think we do, but we don't. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. And so whenever we live outside of the will of God, then, then what it produces is things as, as disillusionment and unfulfillment and dissatisfaction, and we'll never with those things be able to enter into the joy that God has created to give us, provided for us. Life is meant to be satisfying and joyful, right? Amen. It's meant to be fulfilling. But apart from He who created us, apart from being obedient to Him, he, we will never be led down that road, down that path of satisfaction and fulfillment. It's only through the abiding life of Jesus within us. Apart from me, you, He said it, apart from me you can do nothing. That means apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Pretty sure. And so, and so um, without that abiding love, then, then where we're totally desiring to obey His every word, then we're not going to be able to enter into that promise of His joy when He says it. Now, there's another term, because the title of this message was Faithfully Obedient. I want to talk about faithfulness, tying it into obedience, because... Faithfulness is the one, one of the reasons why you and I are obedient. God has authority, does He not, to command us to do something. He has that authority. He can tell us to do anything. Well, faithfulness, when we are faithful to the Lord, it means it, it brings us into being obedient. Or when we obey Him, it means that we are being faithful. So there's a great connection. Jesus set an example for us in this area because, I mean, God Himself set the example because He is faithful. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, The Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love, 
to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. In other words, God is true to his word. We can count on that. He is faithful to his promises. He always keeps his end of the covenant to those who keep theirs. In fact, even when we don't, he keeps his end. But when we do keep our end of the bargain or the deal, Revelation 2.10 tells us that we will receive the crown of life. Jesus said, be faithful, be obedient, follow me, even to the point of death, and I'll give you the crown of life. I don't know what that is, but I like it. (laughs) In the context of today's message, when we are faithfully obedient, no matter what the cost may be, we're going to receive the joy of of our reward, not only in the life to come, not only whatever this this crown is, uh, um, the crown of life, but but we're going to receive reward here and now as well, which is his joy, which is his love, which is his presence, which is everything we want. So, we have given the Lord. See, faithfulness, if, if, if it means that God is true to his word, it means that we are too, right? So faithfulness means you are true to your word. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've committed your life to him. You, he is your all in all. He is your everything, as we sang about today. He is your Lord. He's your master. He's the possessor of your soul. He owns you. The Bible says this. You have given him permission, actually, to indwell you, to empower you, to rule over you, to control your life. You've given him all this stuff. And he is now the reason for your existence. He is actually the motivation for your obedience. Your faithfulness to God and his commands is rooted in your allegiance to him. See, that, that's the root. You are a you are loyal servant. You are, you are a son or a daughter to a father. You are committed to him, and so your faithfulness is rooted in that allegiance, and your obedience is the byproduct of your love. And it's a love that exists because he first loved you. So it's not this thing of, 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 of performance has nothing to do with it. Legalism is an enemy of the cross. It's love. It's passion for him. He poured his passion toward you. We pour it back, and out of that flows this, this, this. He reaches toward us, and, 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 and through the power of his loving death and resurrection, he calls us to be faithful to him, and then, and then for us to be true to our word, to our, let our yes be yes. You know, There's no joy in obedience that's forced or manipulated. There's no joy in coerced servanthood. No joy when we have to, we feel like we have to do something. And so God in his faithfulness declares that he is faithful, that he is true to his word, therefore you be as well. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells this parable about a landowner who entrusted three of his servants with three different amounts of money. Remember? Talents, the parable of talents. Two of these servants invested their money and made even more. And then the third dug a hole and hid his master's money, protected it. Upon his return, the master praised the first two and said this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy. He was obedient with what he had, faithful. The interpretation is that when Jesus left the earth, 
He ascended back to heaven. He had trusted his followers, which is you and me, empowered and led by the Holy Spirit with the things of the kingdom until he returns in conquering power. But he didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us unequipped. He gave us the Holy Spirit who's given us gifts. Some people, don't you find, are more gifted in the areas of, let's say, prophecy? Or, or um, you know, they, they, maybe they function better in the gift of serving or hospitality. Some are more natural teachers. Others flow in the gift of faith. Or, you know, it's just, there's variety. And, and even though all of us can, can use all of the gifts at any designated time, I think it's often not good for us to look upon what gifts that we're using seem to have more favor when, when, when we use them. You know, what is God blessing, you know? And, and at the same time, every one of us have more than enough to invest in the kingdom. The guy with the least amount of money, he put a hole, he dug it away, but he had more than enough to invest. The issue is never, I don't have enough. Never that. I'm not gifted enough. It's just being faithful to what he's given us, and then that determines how the Lord will respond when he returns. So Jesus is saying to all of us, each and every one of us, each disciple of his, that the only thing of eternal value, the only thing of lasting worth, is taking what the Holy Spirit has deposited within you and using it for his glory. It's, it, it, it's like... The only thing that really makes any lasting value, eternal significance, is Him putting things in us and then it flowing out through us. That's life. That's, that's power. That brings change. He's saying to seek the kingdom, first the kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's asking us, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And don't lose focus with that word done. What he has done, oh, did I do enough? That's not God's heart. Oh, 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 you know, because then we get in that performance, then we get in that thing, we got to do, what is he calling us to? Love. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as your, love one another. That's what, that's what doing is. It's living in love, being filled with joy as, as we follow him, as we obey him. So it's like, what is obedience? It's, Lord, what are you saying to me? See, obedience is not, we can look in Scripture, there's plenty to obey. There's no question <laughs> in Scripture. It has a lot of instruction on what we're called to do. But at the same, so that's the written word. And then there's a living word where we can ask God what you would have for me. You know, what, keep my eyes open, keep myself aware of what's uh, around me. Like your story last week of in, the market, in the supermarket, you know, just be aware of my environment. That's one of my biggest prayers because I'm just so thick-headed. I'm just so walking in a daze, you know, going through the grocery store, focused to get out of there as quick as I can. And my, my common prayer, I wish I prayed it more, was, Lord, just help me be aware of my surroundings so you can say something to me and it'll get through. Because I believe he's always speaking. It's just I'm always deaf, you know. I need to, Lord, open my ears so I open my eyes. That's what we want to do.